Welcome back to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Mailbag. We are here with the great Marcus Mosier. He is going to give us all the insight as we get ready to week 13. It's almost fantasy football playoff time, and Marcus is joining us here. Does fantastic work, of course, at the Raiders Wire. Locked on Cowboys, locked on Dynasty, the game day NFL. He covers everything for us and can cover not only the Raiders and Cowboys, but fantasy football as a whole. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And he joins us back here for the December 2nd version of the Fantasy Football Mailbag at Rotoviz. Week 13 is where it's at. Marcus, welcome back, man. How you doing? Uh, thanks for having me back, Mike. Uh, this is exciting. I, this has been way too long since we've last talked. So this is uh, this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really fired up, man. And listen, you cover every team so well. You have great knowledge. It's It's been a pleasure to see you grow. How's the year been? You have so much work out there. And it just seems like every time I check on a serious XM you're on the other night, how's everything going? Because it just seems like you're all over the place. Uh, it's busy. Uh, that's a good thing with having like 18 different jobs is you just you always find something to talk about. So season's flying by. I can't believe we're already in week 13. And I will say this, Mike. I think this is my favorite week of the season, though. The first week in December, we've got like 12 games with playoff implications this week. We're getting close to the fantasy football playoffs, uh, you know, this week. So should be a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. And listen, folks, you can't see what I can see. His background has got to be one of the best of anyone I've interviewed. It is legit. Marcus, we're going to start off in your wheelhouse here, man. I want to start with Vegas. Darren Waller's a little banged up. People have been upset that he hasn't produced at the level we thought he would if you took him early in the preseason as a high-end pick, you know, tight end one, tight end two. Where are we going with Darren Waller? Kenyon Drake, I thought, kind of would be used more after the uh, John Gruden, obviously, changeover and head coach. Brian Edwards, I am so mad at Brian Edwards, Marcus, because I am having a great season for the first time ever in Scott Fishbowl. I am 11-1, and if I had just played Brian Edwards two weeks ago, I'd still be undefeated. So talk to us here about those fantasy implications for Las Vegas. Yeah, so let's start with Darren Waller. Um, he's got a knee injury. Rich Passaccia said he's going to be week to week. My guess is, Mike, that he's going to miss at least two games. So... That okay. means if Foster Moreau is out on your waiver wire right now or you have a chance to go trade for him or grab him, mm-hmm. go do that because he, we're going to rank him as a tight end one every single week. Uh, we saw just a couple of weeks ago when Darren Waller was out, he was a tight end one that week. He was six for 60 and a touchdown. So I think he's going to have a big role over the next couple of games. Kenyon Drake, eh, eh. I don't think anybody's excited about starting Kenyon Drake. He's just more annoying to the Josh Jacobs Owners and then Brian Edwards. I know you're upset with him, right? Uh, <laughs> late a zero basically against Dallas uh, last yes, week yes. disappears. Um, but I do think the last five or six games he's going to have a bigger role. They need somebody to win on the outside. Would not be shocked if we start seeing him get a consistent six or seven targets. Yeah, the interesting thing with Drake is I just thought for some reason, Marcus, that it would be a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt situation. But it does seem like Jacobs is finally getting more of the total package, Mm -hmm. three down use in the last few weeks. Well, and the reason why is because Kenyon Drake isn't good, right? I mean, just Josh Jacobs (laughs) is the much better player. So anytime that he's healthy, why not feed him the rock? I think Drake has been pretty disappointing this year. I don't think anything's going to change that way. 
And now let's move on here to Dallas. Dallas on the Thursday night game against the Saints. Ton of information to process with you. Head coach Mike McCarthy out with COVID. It seems like COVID is spreading. I don't know if that's attributed to Amari Cooper or not. But they're now coming against the Saints team on Thursday that looks like they're going to start Taysom Hill. Saints are certainly desperate as well. I guess what's the vibe with the Cowboys? They certainly have looked for the majority of the year like a Super Bowl caliber team, like a team that can win the Super Bowl. They went out to Kansas City. They were shorthanded, but they ended up competing there. It was a close game, low-scoring game. And the defense, which Marcus, in fantasy, if you look at their numbers and schedule adjusted fantasy points to each of the positions, it's not great. But in actual football, it's been pretty darn good, right? Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are just a team right now that has a lot of injuries, you know, on defense, on offense, and then COVID's hitting them in such a bad way. Not only are they missing guys like Amari Cooper, who's probably not going to play on Thursday, Terrence Steele, their right tackle, but like their entire coaching staff, they haven't had their weight room open in two weeks because of COVID stuff uh, to all their strength and conditioning coaches. It's just been a weird time. And with the Cowboys playing three games in 12 days, you know, Sunday against the Chiefs, Thursday against the Raiders, and now Thursday against the Saints. It's a bad time for all this stuff to happen. So I still think they're one of the best con- you know, teams in the NFC. I think they are a Super Bowl contender, but it might be a few more weeks of this kind of sloppy play before we get to see that version of the Cowboys again. And I've just – I've had a lot of questions about C.D. Lamb. I mean, super talented – When Gallup went out, I felt like he didn't pop as we would have liked. Of course, the Patriot game, he went bananas. Mm -hmm. And what was funny, Marcus, is as soon as I put out the tweet mid-game about how CeeDee Lamb is just not being used, he goes and blasts out for two touchdowns (laughs) the rest of the game. But what is up with CeeDee Lamb? Do you see him as we hit the fantasy playoffs here sort of ascending to a more dominant role with the uncertainty with Cooper? It's a tough question. I think you'd like to see it, but I just don't think it's going to happen because that's not the way that Dak Prescott plays the quarterback position, right? He's going to throw it to the open guy. He rarely gives somebody more than 10 targets in a game. And the Cowboys still want to run the ball. So for you to have somebody that's going to be, you know, a top three, top five wide receiver in fantasy, you need the consistent targets. And while I think Lamb deserves them, that's just not really the way the Cowboys operate. So I don't see big production coming from him over the next couple of weeks. One of my tweets that got a lot of traction was I, I quote tweeted Graham Barfield does a great job of fantasy points. If we look back and hindsight is 2020, the zero RB zealots, which is what we are here at, at Rota at Rotaviz, to be fair, really are taking victory laps. Now the counter is going to be, which Ian Hart has put out, which I thought was also fascinating. Look, if you're going to attack the early, the robust RB people for injuries, then why don't you start talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Robert Woods, etc. Where do you fall on this? Because if you look at what happened with the running backs, I mean, McCaffrey, no good. Dalvin Cook hurt. Kamara hurt. Derrick Henry IR. That was a little bit more of a freak one. Yep. Saquon Barkley. Jonathan Taylor's been good. but And Zeke has been, obviously, I think Zeke has probably been the second best person next to Taylor if you want to be technical about it. But where do you fall on the zero RB thing? And is this season going to give you more pause? Or are you going to say, look, injuries happen. We just move on. Injuries happen, especially at the running back position. Um, and I, we know how important it is to have good running backs. And if you want to win championships, you've got to have a couple elite guys. So it's not going to really scare me off. However, it's a good lesson that 
we don't draft guys that are already hurt, Saquon Barkley, right? Because the odds of them staying hurt are pretty good. Christian McCaffrey's another one, you know, kind of came into the league or came into this season already a little banged up and don't really draft the older running backs. Now, I know 26 and 27 doesn't sound old. My gosh, it sounds so young for how old I am right now. But uh, yeah. you, you want the up and coming running backs, the guys that are on their way, way up. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we saw, you know, Najee Harris this year, even as a rookie playing really well. DeAndre Swift having a big season. Uh, that's where I think you're going to want to look for the value at running back, not necessarily the guys where you're chasing production and you're chasing that kind of stuff. So draft running backs early, continue to do that. Just opt for more of the younger guys rather than the proven older guys. You mentioned a couple guys for the waiver wire, which has either been processed or is being processed some leagues on, on, on Thursday. My leagues are a lot you of them on Thursday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them on Thursday net for sure. You mentioned Foster Moreau. Are there any others that caught your eye? I mean, Taysom Hill, I guess, if people are streaming quarterbacks, mm-hmm. maybe. I, I On Thursday, that's a little rough because I always get nervous, Marcus, on Thursday because yeah. then if you sit there with a bad score, it just eats at you for yeah. 48 hours. It's it's frustrating. Tevin Coleman, maybe. Anybody caught your eye here that you noticed that maybe could be someone who could, who could pop here that's available? I mean, Deshaun Jackson's interesting. I'm sure he's sitting out there in their waiver wire. I mean, he's had two games now where he's at least seen some downfield targets. His ADOT continues to be one of the best in the league. The Raiders don't really have anybody that can stretch the field like him. So if you're looking for a deep flex kind of guy, I think he's interesting. But you named him. It's Foster Moreau. It's Tevin Coleman. And then Taysom Hill, any game that he starts is going to be a QB1 that we're going to rank about. So uh, I think those are the three big guys. We've gotten into Dynasty a lot the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor, clearly the Dynasty running back one. He's almost he's still under 23 years old, just a dominant performer. Even though, Marcus, he got zero carries against Tampa Bay in the third quarter last week. I don't even see how that's possible. It was only 24-14, but I digress. Where are you ranking the other guys? DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, CMC still, Barkley. Where do you rank these other guys after Taylor in terms of Dynasty value? Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's DeAndre Swift and it's Nashi Harris for me, right? The two okay. guys that are the youngest. They, you know, Harris came out in the 2020 draft. Uh, excuse me, 2021 draft. Swift was 2020. Uh, we're seeing the Lions give Swift a big workload. Both of those guys get a ton of passes. You know, they get a ton of receptions. So relatively high floors. I just don't know if you could trust anybody else. We've seen Christian McCaffrey play seven games since signing a contract extension in 2019. Dalvin Cook not only has the two shoulder injuries, but remember, we've got some, uh, I believe it's a domestic violence case that could be coming up this offseason. Chubb is splitting work still. Uh, Antonio Gibson is struggling with health. I think it's those three guys and then it's everybody else. Where do you put Javante Williams? Because people are just saying, look, if Melvin Gordon could just get the heck out of the way, Javante has everything you'd be looking for, only 21 and a half years old. I've seen some sites put Javante Williams ahead of Dalvin Cook, sort of in that area. Mm. Where do you rank him? That seems a little bit high for me, but certainly inside the top 15 running backs. I think we could have a conversation like, I think I would rather have Javante Williams than Ezekiel Elliott. I think that one's pretty clear. Wow. But Derrick Henry? I think it's in that range for me. Wide receivers. Jamar Chase a few weeks ago was the slam dunk answer to this question in terms of the overall dynasty wide receiver one. 
But Justin Jefferson has been the most popular answer recently. Of course, CeeDee Lamb is still in the discussion. There's people who just love A.J. Brown and the volume, but now are getting concerned, of course, with the injuries that seem to nag him. Where are you going for a top four, let's say, with dynasty wide receivers? Yeah, it's still Chase for me just because he's so young and he's paired with a quarterback that just absolutely loves him. Uh, I, I think it's him, and then it's Jefferson, and then I differ a little bit. I know a lot of people have CeeDee Lamb at three, but we just talked about why CeeDee Lamb's probably never going to put up the numbers that a Jefferson or Chase will. He just isn't going to get the target uh, volume. For me, it's still Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek wow. is in such a stable situation with a stable coach and quarterback. He's still scoring a ton of touchdowns. He gets so much volume. I've got Tyreek Hill three. I've got CeeDee Lamb four. And then it gets really interesting. Like, is it DK Metcalf, despite some of the uncertainty with quarterback? Is it Devontae Adams, who, you know, is going to be, probably be wide receiver one in any year that he's playing with Aaron Rodgers? That's kind of the way I would round out things. But listen, Cooper Cup, I know a lot of people have him lower, you know, anywhere between 12 to 15. Why shouldn't he be a top five dynasty asset at the receiver position? All he does is produce. I know he's older, but Matt Stafford isn't going anywhere. I think his game is going to age really well. I think we could have a conversation about Cooper Cup and CeeDee Lamb, and it wouldn't be all that asinine to take uh, to take Cup over Lamb. It is funny. if That is such a great call. You look at Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, okay? Mm. Those are two guys who are just viewed in completely opposite perspectives. Cooper Cup producing every single year. High catches. This year, the touchdowns. But he's 28, so he's undervalued. Debo Samuel has rocketed up dynasty-wide receiver rankings because he's only 25 years old, but still, he doesn't have anywhere near the pedigree of Cooper Cup. And there's still questions, of course, about Debo. That's a great call. And injuries, right? We've we've got a long track record of injuries for Debo going back to South Carolina when he was in college. And it's one thing Cooper Cup – doesn't really have he doesn't really have this big injury question mark around him i just value the safety of cooper cup i think for the next four years it would be a shock of in any of those four years he didn't finish inside the top six receivers give me the guy that i know is going to produce right now for the next couple years you're such a modest guy but you're allowed to brag here on the road of his mailbag who were the preseason guys you got right that you felt you really had nailed? Either either they were going to have big seasons or they weren't. Who were you on there preseason that's worked out well? Yeah, so I was talking to Michael Fabiano from SiriusXM uh, yesterday. We were talking about some of my best calls. And I said back in June when we were doing a show together, I would take Jonathan Taylor at the 101 in redraft wow. leagues over Christian McCaffrey, over Dalvin Cook for a lot of the reasons that we just got done talking about. You know, he, He's in an offense that loves to run the ball. He's a freak athlete, and they're going to score a bunch of touchdowns, and that's exactly what he's doing this year. So I think that's probably my best call. Uh, Other than that, it's really just staying away from the quarterbacks. Like The quarterback position is so up and down year to year. We don't really know who's going to be a top five quarterback. We think we know. So basically just ignoring quarterbacks in the first six or seven rounds of my redraft leagues has has been a very, very positive thing. You know, I was at a wedding in August and I was talking to some of my family and I said, I'm telling you right now, you should take Najee Harris with the second overall pick. I just trust him. Hmm. I really do. Zeke obviously has been great as well. I just didn't have the guts to pull. 
that over Christian McCaffrey, especially here with Sean. We were all talking about how, listen, we love zero RB, but we think you have to take McCaffrey. And we let, we get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But Najee Harris was one. Sometimes, right, markets, it's that easy. They have the volume. They're going to run the ball. They have an older quarterback. He's got a three-down skill set. Sometimes we don't have to overthink it, right? Well, and on top of that, I the, my thing I always think about in the first round is you really can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose it, right? If you take yeah. guys that are too risky or too injury-prone or too old, those guys more often than not end up busting. While Najee Harris might not finish as the RB1, I, in fact, he, he won't, No, he's going to be somebody every week that you can rely on, and that yeah. matters. It, it, as long as you get somebody that you feel good about every single week as your RB1, it's fine. Who is a guy that you were wrong about? I mean, I have a litany of them. I can tell. I, I still, I still am so happy Taysom Hill started because I was positive he was going to was going to start week one. It only took thirteen weeks. Who is a guy that you looked at and you said, "Ah, oh, you know what? I, I I didn't nail him exactly as I thought." Yeah, Lavisca Chanel. I just thought yeah, he was going to be the guy yes. that gets ten touches a game for Jacksonville. <laughs> he was going to be the slot receiver there, and and Trevor Lawrence was going to just love throwing him screens and little slants. Hasn't happened at all. I was watching them this week, and there was a play near the goal line where Trevor Lawrence's top two receivers were Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell. And instead, he handed the ball off to Carlos Hyde. Uh, <laughs> oh I don't God. know what's going on there in Jacksonville, but LaVisca Chenault's not it. And it's really unfortunate to, to all my redrafts and dynasty teams. I have a betting question. So I put out on Twitter, pour one out for the Mike Tomlin as an underdog streak, which was incredibly lucrative for betting as a as a favorite. You fade him as an underdog. You take him. And of course, they get destroyed by Cincinnati. Mm. But now they go back home. There's the argument with Chase Claypool about we should play music in practice. <laughs> and Tomlin's talking about divisional labor. But Pittsburgh home getting four and a half against Baltimore. I'm just curious on your initial early week read. Do we go back to Tomlin in this spot, or has the, the the ship sailed on the lucrative betting pattern with Mike Tomlin as an underdog? No, I think this is the time with ride, to ride with Tomlin because wow. why should you trust Baltimore either, right? I know Baltimore's 8-3 and three right now, but they've pulled some games just completely out of their rear this season. They have not played well for a while. The Dolphins shut them down. The Browns had four turnovers against them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Ravens will win. But this is going to be a field goal game all day, right? It's going to come down to either Justin Tucker or Chris Boswell making a kick. Four and a half points at home is just too many, I think. Folks, just to back up, Marcus, per the Action Network app, 80% of the bets and 90% of the money are on Baltimore. Here we go again with Tomlin. Is there another pick you're looking at? Maybe even Thursday night game with Dallas. Do you see that big game? What's a, some a team uh, against the spread here you sort of looked at early and you said, you know, I, I, I think I got them this week, week 13? Yeah, I like Miami a lot this week. Now, the yeah. last time I checked the line, they were two and a half point favorites. Uh, it's up to five. It's up to five now? <laughs> yes. They, they did. Odds makers think that Daniel Jones is worth two and a half points. Is that basically what <laughs> maybe, it is? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, yes. I, I'll still take Miami here. The defense has yeah. played outstanding over the last four games. They're only giving up 40, uh, excuse me, 46 points in the last four games. Uh, the offense is playing better. It's not great. I, I would say with Tua, they can be an average offense. I just think this is a game in which they absolutely dominate on defense and they win a 17 to 10 type of game at home. You know, what's funny is as soon as it came out, I grabbed it, 
because Joe Judge nine and three against the spread, uh, and and you know, Daniel Jones is QB eleven and four against the spread as road underdogs. But that was with Jones. It was three and a half. I liked getting the hook. I have to agree with you. Not anymore. That Miami defense has looked good. And Mike Glennon, I can't. I just, I, I can't. Mark. I, I can't bet on Mike Glennon with that offensive line. The one thing that Daniel Jones does well is scramble and get outside the pocket, yes. make plays with his legs. That offensive line is atrocious. He is going to yeah. get killed in this game. I just, I just don't see a way the Giants score more than seventeen points. Yep. And if they, if, even if they do, I still think the Dolphins will cover. And two has actually been pretty good the last few mm-hmm. weeks before everybody wrote him off right away. If you weren't working in sports, what job would you have? All right. So this is a really good question. So before I was working in sports, I was a, a, a history teacher, a high nice. school history teacher, did that for four years, and then eventually kind of worked my way into the sports business. So probably that. Uh, but if it wasn't for teaching – Probably be doing some political science stuff. Uh, I've always been nice. fascinated by polls and campaigns. Don't really have a side that I, you know, I, I believe in. I just like to follow this from more of a like an analytical standpoint. So probably so- something in political science. Awesome. I'm trying to get fantasy football fear factor. My family loves Survivor. Going to watch it again tonight, Wednesday night. Maybe we can get that going. What's the one thing if you had to do it? And this has been a great question. I've heard spiders. I've heard buried alive. Neil Dutton came on early this year and said he cannot because of weak ankles jump over buildings that are very tall. So if he had to jump over something uh, elevated, he couldn't do it. What's the one thing that would say, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I'm out. Yeah, I could do all the the eating things and putting the spiders. I think I'd be fine with that. It's the heights. I just – I don't like heights at all. Even getting on my own roof, it's not something – I enjoy, I typically will try to get somebody else to go up there and, you know, clean gutters or whatever. So anything height related, I'm out. Great. I'm going to give you a couple situations or teams or names. I'd like you to give me a one word answer. What comes to mind as soon as I say, then a quick explanation. First up, the Arizona Cardinals making the Super Bowl. Very realistic. Uh, I think wow. they've got one of the most balanced teams in the NFL. The offensive line's playing extremely well. I would not be surprised to see him at all in the Super Bowl. Next up, w- what team is Russell Wilson going to be on next year? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Uh, Mike Tomlin wants an athletic mobile quarterback. Uh, I don't think they have any interest in doing a rebuild with the Steelers. I think Russell Wilson for a couple first-round picks uh, to the Steelers makes a ton of sense. Aaron Rodgers, where is he going to be next year? I'll say Green Bay. I think they're going to do one more year, let him finish out his contract, and then move on in free agency. I think he would love to be a free agent, to be courted by 20 teams. I think they'll run it back one more year because the team is really good. Is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer? Uh, You're just pandering to me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think there was multiple years where he was a top three quarterback during his generation. You look at his stats, all the numbers compared to his peers during that time. Yeah, of course. I think think he's one of the best quarterbacks of the 2000s, so why not? Who is the best San Francisco running back to own in the playoffs? I'm asking this because they have such an easy schedule second half of the year. Gets a little colder. Need a running back. There's Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson hanging around. Where are you going here for the running back in San Francisco? The ghost of Trey Sermon just kind of hangs around. Yep. Uh, I think it's Jeff Wilson. Uh, we're starting to see him get some more work. I know Elijah Mitchell missed was it two weeks ago with a finger injury. 
I think Wilson's just the best combination of speed, being able to play in the passing game. I would not be surprised if he ends up being a league winner when we get to late December. All right, I want to do a quick redraft lightning round here. I'm going to give you two players off the top of your head, Marcus. Who do you like better this week? They're very close in rankings. Javante Williams at Kansas City or Miles Gaskin at home against the Giants? I would say Miles Gaskin against the Giants. I just think the Dolphins are going to have a lead for most of that game. Probably not going to see a ton of touches, but could get some goal line work like we saw last week. I think I like Gaskin. Corderell Patterson against Tampa Bay at home off the big week. He was injured, weren't sure if he was going to play. Or T. Higgins at home against the Chargers. Oh, that's a good one. I like T. Higgins. Um, the Chargers defensive backs have been awful this season. Uh, no Asante Samuel in this game, I don't believe. They should have a big size advantage on the outside. And as we saw last week, T. Higgins can absolutely dominate when he's one-on-one with the second corner on a team. I like T. Higgins to have another week of 100 yards and a touchdown. Two quarterbacks at home with favorable matchups. Derek Carr against Washington or Russ at home as desperate as ever against San Francisco. I don't know how we could trust Russell Wilson at this point. Just way too up and down. Derek Carr actually leads the NFL in passing yards right now. Don't think they're going to be able to run the ball much against Washington. So I'm looking for another 300-yard day with maybe multiple touchdowns from Carr. Two teams that tend to do well against tight ends. You have TJ Hawkinson against Minnesota at home. The Vikings have just been incredible against opposing tight ends. Or Gusecki now looking to bounce back. He can be a little frenetic, but he's home against the Giants. Yeah, I'll go Gusecki in this one. I just don't trust anything about the Lions right now, especially with DeAndre Swift being a little banged up. I know some people would think, hey, this is the perfect perfect opportunity for Hawkins to get more touches. Uh, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think I would go Gusecki this week. Sir, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Last question, and then we will let you go to your busy schedule. Really appreciate it. Give me the bold Marcus Mosier fantasy playoff prediction. Do you have a Dion Lewis? Do you have a CJ Anderson? Or is there some prediction you think is going to come true as we jockey here and start to get ready for the fantasy football playoffs? We started the show talking about the Cowboys. We might as well do it again. Ezekiel Elliott has been very banged up over the last couple of weeks. I know the Cowboys have tinkered with the idea of sitting him. I think after Thursday, they're going to have no choice because he's just so hurt right now. I think Tony Pollard is going to see a ton of work in December. I think he's going to be ranked as an RB1 the rest of the season because of how explosive he is, how much he can do in the passing game. Go buy Deion Lewis right now. Oh, my God. Deion Lewis, Tony Pollard. Go buy Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is Dion Lewis. And Marcus, you tie it off with a bow by giving me the name of the podcast as you go out the door. Folks, Marcus Mosier, one of the absolute best there. You have to follow him at Marcus underscore Mosier. Managing editor Raiders Wire, host of Locked On Cowboys, Locked On Dynasty, Game Day NFL. He does it all. And he's got the old Mike Tyson icon right there on Twitter, so you can't miss him. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us again in the mailbag. You are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. Thank you. Uh, anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.